Oh, man. Between uh, ACDC and Queen. Really rocking it this morning. Uh, time now for On The Mark, powered by Booster Juice. Uh, visit a location today to refuel, refresh, and re-energize or download the new Booster Juice Rewards app to earn, order, and enjoy as we welcome in Mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet. Good morning, Spec. You know, we had Derek Van Deest on earlier at 720. Intro, okay. music, intro music was another one, Bites the Dust by Queen. <laughs> now I was trying I was trying to remember Speck and I think you probably will be able to help me out here. So the Montreal Expos used that song. And was it in the eighties or the nineties? I can't remember now though. Oh my god. The Montreal Expos? Yeah. For well, some reason I remember Warren Cromarty. You remember him? Yep. Yeah, I remember him. He was kind of the ringleader. After a big win, they would play it in the dressing room and it was a, in the clubhouse. It was a big deal. I don't know. I met UP though when I was in uh, the in the Bell Center this last couple of days ago. So that was a, pretty much the thrill of my road trip. Yeah, got a big. Uh, oh yeah, got a couple of pictures with UP. He's now the uh, Habs mascot. Mm-hmm. Flip teams when the Expos folded, I guess. <laughs> you know that's great. I, I've seen him too at the Habs games, and I think that's great that he kind of stays in the Montreal market. Expos were such a big part of the city. Oh. Oh, for sure. We all grew up in the Expos, right? Yeah. I remember being. I remember Blue Monday, like oh. I skip at school, sitting in the the library at Ross Shepherd High School, <laughs> watching that game on uh, Blue Monday. Steve and, Rogers. Uh, it was such an important game that even though your teachers came by, they knew you were cutting class. They asked you what the score was, not <laughs> to get back to class. So <laughs> that was a big one then, for no doubt about that. Uh, just it like was last, big yeah. one like last night. Just like last night. night, that was a big one. It was a lot of fun, a lot of energy in the building. Uh, you must have had fun uh, writing it as well. Yeah, it was. It's you know, it, it's really nice to get that kind of juice in a regular season game in January, amidst all the visits by the. You know the Minnesotas and the whomevers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a whole new ball game when Toronto comes to town, and then Matthews comes out. They score that goal. Twenty, you know, what was it 30, 27? 27, yeah, twenty-seven. Yeah, so that just kick-started that game, and you thought, oh my goodness, look at the Leafs, look how they're going. And I'd say to you, I know, I know this. I think the final shots were thirty-two, twenty-eight. And at one point, it was 5-1 shots for Leafs about six minutes in the game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, from that point on, the final 54 minutes or so, the Oilers would outshot them, you know, 31-23 to 23 mm-hmm. the rest of the game. Uh, I thought the Oilers were full marks for that game. Mark Spector with us on Sports 1440. Spector, do you recall a game, because I don't, where there were so many numerous extended times of pressure in the ozone by each team and it depending on what line was out there the other line really couldn't handle it uh i think the oilers handled the leafs a little better than uh what the leafs handled defensively for the oilers but uh, it just seemed every time you're looking at one end of the ice or the other yeah no it was uh, you know they're two good teams and when they get the puck they know what to do with it I thought maybe the difference was Edmonton. I, I liked both of Edmonton's top lines. And then, of course, you know, McLeod and Ryan end up scoring mm-hmm. two huge goals. So I thought it was the Oilers' depth that was better. You know, I thought that um, – and, and it was it was sort of breakdowns that, that uh, Toronto sort of committed – like Ryan standing in front of the net for way too long when he scores that goal, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, on the McLeod goal, both defensemen are on the other side of the net basically doing nothing. If that was the Oilers' defense, we'd be crit- criticizing the heck out of them. So, 
you know what? Sometimes games like that comes down to who opens the door for the other team. And Toronto had pressure, but and listen, they had a couple breakaways too, let's face it. Mm-hmm. But uh, in the end, Skinner made the saves. You know, look at Skinner. He lets one in 27 seconds in. He's got no chance on. And the rest of the game, he lets in one one goal. Like, that's the kind of goaltender it takes to win hockey games. And, man, has he given it to him. Played great again last night. First star in my books. On that game-winning goal, the Leafs iced the puck. Morgan Riley iced it. Chris Knobloch says, you know, I'll leave Connor McDavid out. He was probably out for 45 seconds against the Matthews line. But <laughs> yeah. but then he puts out Leon Dreisaitl and, and uh, McLeod. And the two of them, along with uh, McDavid, uh, create some opportunities along the wall. And next thing you know, it's 3-2. So big kudos to uh, Chris Knobloch for, for that coaching tactic. Hey, listen, This, how can you not say that every button he's pushed is the right button? Mm-hmm. You know, what's his record at this point? I don't even know. It's unbelievable. Uh, you know, he's presided over the absolute turnaround of this team and even right down to little decisions, right? He, he could have put anybody out there with generally they'll put Kane out or they'll put Hyman out, right? He kind of mm-hmm. went off the board a little bit because he had a sense that McLeod was having a good night. And that's called coaching, right? That's why a coach is back there. He has a good feel for, you know, who to deploy and when. He has a good feel for who's on tonight and who's not. And uh, give him credit, man. He made that call. And boom, game-winning goal right there. Uh, 21-6, and six, Chris Knobloch, Speck, as a head coach. Uh, wow. Only coach in NHL history to have two game or two winning streaks of eight games or more so he had an eight or now an 11 uh but we've passed the 25 game mark but so in his first 25 games he's the only coach in nhl history to have two eight game winning streaks or more so wow <laughs> that's that's hey, his good, you know what that's like i i you know we, i think we all feel a little bit for woodcroft mm-hmm. because it clearly wasn't all jay woodcroft's fault he wasn't, you know, he didn't wreck this team. He didn't make a bunch of dumb decisions that caused that start. I, he gets his share of the blame for it. Don't get me wrong, but so do the players. They weren't good. They were hurt. And poor Jay's out of work watching this thing. Uh, I, I'm going to tell you, I'm not so uh, as good. Uh, Chris Doblock, my hat's off to him. Like, no complaints here. Mm-hmm. But I'm also going to say to you, I'm not sure this couldn't have happened with Jay Woodcroft behind the bench, too. Speck, were you able to mosey over to the Leafs end of things after the game last night? No, but I saw okay. all the clips on TV this morning, mm-hmm. and I, I had a, a drink with uh, beer with Luke Fox after the game, and he told me about what was going on in the room, our Sportsnet guys. Mm-hmm. So they're a little dismayed, I think. Yeah, I, I would think that. I mean, a lot of games where they've coughed up leads, uh, a lot of games where they haven't been able to finish off an opponent – I mean, they didn't play. I thought they played a pretty good game last night, and they're just not finding ways to win right now. Like the Oilers are finding ways to win. Yeah, there's right. That's fair. I mean, mm-hmm. listen, there. I don't know. I, I I'm. I, I got to say to you, I'm tired of watching the same movie with the Leafs. Yeah. You know, I'm tired of looking at the same team. They they've got excellent high end players. They've got okay depth players uh, on forward, and their defense is light, and they don't defend very well. Mm-hmm. You know, their defense is light. I thought McCabe was really good last night, and Riley's always going to be good. But I don't think – I mean, that defense, you're not winning with no. it. No. You're just not winning with it. You know, we, we look at Everton's defense and say, boy, they could use another guy. It's infinitely better in my eyes in Toronto's. And, and Martin Jones was excellent last night, right? He was excellent. But 
here's the old movie. He let in the one goal that needed to get stopped in what was basically a 3-2 game. That dry sidle goal yeah. from the side, a backhander, can't go in. So here's the Toronto Maple Police coming to town, light on defense and not great in goal. How many years have you been watching this movie, Kev? Maybe <laughs> seven, eight? At times, spec. well, not at times, a lot of the time last night, the Leafs defense no matter if it was Riley and Brody on the ice together, couldn't handle the Oilers' cycle or speed down low. And that's why we saw extended periods of time in yep. in the Leafs' zone. And, I mean, zone time, I believe the Oilers had them by probably a good three minutes last night for offensive zone, uh, you know, uh, possession. So, yep. I mean, it, and again, you, you, you hit it right on the head spec that, I mean, this is a, a movie we've seen before in Toronto. Uh, in your article from last night, I, I like the line about, uh, is this a puppy that's finally turning into a dog for the Oilers? <laughs> and I, I immediately thought, you know, because we have a three-year-old dog. And I was like, just the other day, you know, I was thinking, man, this dog is just getting to where the stage that, like, he's turning into a dog. And then yeah. last night he went bananas on some guy walking, barking down the, walking down the street. And I'm going, <laughs> hey, 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 you know. So <laughs> as soon as I read that line in your article, Spec, I went, there's going to be a time here where, you know, the Oilers, this dog turns back into a puppy. You know, it, it could it could be tomorrow <laughs> against Seattle, you know, or it could be in Calgary. This isn't sustainable. We know that. We, we you know, it just isn't. But uh, I thought it was a good reference. Just your thoughts on that. Well, it's not winning every night's not sustainable. You don't win every night. You know, let's face it, they're 11 straight. They obviously do at some point to lose, and they will lose games. I think, though, like, I, I'll tell you, I've been on, you know, I've been one of the guys in this town on the record about a team that had to, you know, they don't have to play 2 1 hockey every night, but when a 2 1 game arrives, you got to be able to win it. Mm-hmm. They they needed to be able to survive when they're not at their best. This was a team that if they couldn't beat you five four, most nights they couldn't beat you at all, right? Their previous games with the Toronto Maple Leafs were always two offensive teams where it ended up high scoring, fantastic, exciting hockey. That's not sustainable in the playoffs. I'm I gotta say they're checking off every one of those boxes that that I think we've set the bar for this team to learn and to mature and to learn, figure out how to, you know, how to win those games that aren't being played on their terms, right? Their terms now are much broader than they used to be. And, you know, I'm not going to tell you that they've crossed the bridge to being a a Stanley Cup winning team because maybe it's a little early for that. But I'll tell you, like, I got to say, as a guy that's set that bar and and said, these are the boxes that got to get checked off before this team can be a true winner – I'm watching a team that's checking off all those boxes right now and goaltending. You know, they've got they've got all those things mm-hmm. we've been asking for here. I'm not sure how much more we want in a team uh, midway through a season. They look like a very, very good hockey team right now. Mark Spector with us on Sports 1440. Uh, you, we did touch on Stuart Skinner in the last little bit here, but just more specifically, the fight that he had on several goal line scrambles when you saw... <laughs> You know him, him. You know all, all splayed out, and you know leg against the post, and just fighting, just fighting to keep the puck out with some help too. But yep. I mean, that just shows you how much uh, where he's come, and uh, uh, you know how much he wants to battle. Yeah, everyone's in here, right? Everyone's in, and you know Skinner's game. It's it's a quiet game. Like he's playing a quiet game. He's just making all the stops he's supposed to make. The goals that are going in are 
you know, you're not, we're not blaming them for any of them lately in the last month, two months. And you're right. When it comes mm -hmm. time to throw your style out the window and, and, you know, and just battle, he's ready to do that too. He went, he got pounded last night a couple of times oh. in the old days, there would have been some fights after the contact that goalie took last night. Mm -hmm. There wasn't, of course, that's not how it goes anymore. But who wants, how are you going to ask for more goaltending than Stu Skinner's giving you? You know, the question becomes, if he does get injured, where's your team? You know, the question becomes, does do you need a little insurance on this guy behind him? And we can have that conversation, but I don't see for a second how you need to bring in a guy like a Merz Leakins who no. thinks he wants to be a, a number one. This team doesn't need a number one. They got a number one now. They might. Do they need a number two? We can have that conversation. They don't need a number one. In my mind right now, the chemistry on the team, you don't want to mess around with it. Uh, I think all these guys really like Cal Pickard in the room, and I think when Cal Pickard goes in the net, they play hard for him, just like they yeah. would play for any other goalie. So, um, you know, when, Did you just, play Pickard on Thursday against Seattle? I, I said uh, earlier, Spec, that I'm playing him every Thursday, every Thursday game this month. <laughs> okay. So I don't I, mind that. Yeah, so I think... Uh, I would play him Thursday and then, you know, go back with uh, Stu Skinner Saturday in Calgary, go back with Stu on Tuesday, I believe Columbus is here, and then Thursday Chicago's here, and then wrap it up with Stu before the All-Star break Saturday against Nashville. That's All of that works for me. The way Pickard's playing and the way the team's playing in front of him, why wouldn't you rest your goalie a little bit? You know, mm -hmm. why? Why? And I mean, even if you play Skinner on Thursday, it's every second day. You're mm -hmm. not overworking them. There's only three games a week. Yeah, uh, and, and they uh, they got ten off, ten days off after that last and, Nashville game, and then ten days off. So yeah. I don't think Chris Knobloch can make the wrong decision at this point. Um, but you know, it, it's it's you know, it, it, to me, it's it's really about how the team's playing in front of their goalies. Now they're giving their goalies a chance mm -hmm. to to be good. You know, the first part of the season there, I don't care who was playing goal. You can't stop that many great A's no. in a game. And last night, give Stuart, uh, Skinner credit, man. It's 2 nothing, and he's stopping breakaways from the blue line in. Uh, he kept them in that game. That's a game you don't win without stellar goaltending for sure. Well, I think he's probably number five right now in Vezina voting. How's that sound? Well, that's fair. You know, there's some... Like and nobody thought that anyone behind the Oilers bench would have a chance at Coach of the Year. And mm -hmm. I don't. I'm not giving the Jack Adams to Knobloch. I think if if the Canucks keep going, it's Tockets to take home. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, they're going to be talking about this guy at the end of the year and what he's done if it keeps going this way. He's he's come in here done a marvelous job. And Stu Skinner, Stu Skinner's only a sophomore player. Like people mm -hmm. forget, this is only his second year as an NHL goaltender, and. All of a sudden, he's starting to look like a guy you can build a team around. All right, Speck. Thanks, big guy. We'll see you down at the rink later today, bud. All right, Kev. That's Mark Spector. Uh, fueled and energized. Powered by Booster Juice. Get the boost you need at Booster Juice. Check out the website. Check it all out. I could use a Booster Juice right now. A berry smoothie. Just one of those banana berry ones. What about you? Those dude? are the best ones, I well, think. Well, right? yeah. I mean... You put a, do you get a little protein? Do you put, do it, get the powder in there? No, I don't get that. I, I, I'm a big banana fan. Yeah. I like uh, pretty much like strawberry banana smoothies. Yeah. Um, you but you, you can pretty much mix anything with that with that banana half, and it'll be good, I think. I, th yeah, I mean, it's just... Uh, what's that? Was it called a kai berry? A chai? A kai? Acai? Acai? I don't know, even know how to pronounce it. Me neither. 
Yeah, but when you get the berries in there, it's always good for you, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we come back, Shayna Goldman from The Athletic and our headliner of the day for Mr. Reuter on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. 821 in Edmonton looking for a high today of about minus 20. Should be about minus 24 tonight. Balmy compared to last week. Time now for the headliner of the day brought to you by Mr. Reuter at Mr. Reuter. They only employ the finest organic grain-fed free-range plumbers. For all your plumbing needs, go to mrreuter.ca. As we welcome in Shana Goldman from The Athletic. Good morning, Shana. Welcome to Sports 1440. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming on. I'm sure the Leafs-Oilers game caught your high last night. What did you think of it? I mean, how couldn't it, right? It's It was the marquee matchup of the night. It definitely stood out above all the other games, and it really delivered, which is nice. Sometimes I feel like we see these big matchups, and it's, you know, five minutes, and it's pretty boring. But that one, it gave you a little bit of everything, right? Like, you wanted to see the Stars star, and immediately you got to with the Austin Matthews goal. But it was just the pace, the energy, the everything, the drama to the last second. I think it delivered everything you could want to see from, you know, from an entertainment standpoint, mm-hmm. at least. I wish you could have experienced the atmosphere in the building, Shana, because it was uh, electric. Uh, I, you know, I was there early, as I always want to go for to the Leafs games when they're here in town early. With I would say there were probably around... 1,500 to 2,000 Leaf fans around the glass for the first three, four, five rows for pregame warm-up just to see all of those younger fans. And they were younger fans. So could you kind of see that on TV and feel, you know, the amount of going back and forth uh, in the building? Yeah, you could see Leafs fans. You could hear them with those dueling chants. So you could, like, it was, to me, I guess, a little surprising how split the crowd was, but it does make sense because here we see that all the time. Like you'll see Ranger fans at mm-hmm. all of their arenas. It makes sense. You'd see Toronto fans at others, but you could really hear them. And if anything, it just made me think how unfortunate it is these teams only play twice a year because that's a crowd I'd want to see more. And obviously there's one other way to see them more, but the chances of that happening, I think are uh, a little slim. Shannon Goldman from The Athletic, our guest on Sports 1440. What did you make of the goaltenders last night, both Martin Jones and Stuart Skinner? Um, they, neither were the story, which is kind of the best thing for both teams, right? Like, these are teams that are built outside the crease, and you want to see them thrive otherwise. But each one was above average relative to their workload. I think Martin Jones saved, like, 1.1 goals above expected, and Stuart Skinner was around, like, 1.2. So it was a solid night for both of them. Like, was it a little shaky at first? You know, that, that post that Bertuzzi hit, um, the shot, it seemed like Skinner didn't read it as well as he could have. Mm-hmm. You know, it could have gone south quick. But both were good, which is what you need them to be. Like, these two teams aren't here to have these amazing one, you know, bonafide starter goalies. They're looking for those solid one A's who are going to help them and be at least above average for the rest of the team to handle their business because – they rely so much on like high-end offense and they both got that and it was impressive that they both got that against the opponents like if any game you would expect Stewart Skinner to have a problem might be going against William Nylander and Austin Matthews and the same is true for Martin Jones so 
I think both teams should be pretty happy with what they got last night. Well, both teams should be ecstatic. I thought both goaltenders were fabulous last night, except for the Martin Jones goal on Leon Dreisettle. I think it just caught him napping a little bit when he should have been along the post. But I thought both goaltenders really played exceptionally well, gave their team chances to win. And uh, Stu Skinner has been just remarkable for the Oilers in the last uh, little while. Uh, around the league, uh, Shana, I mean, the Winnipeg Jets just continue to play just staunch defensive hockey. Now, 33 games, allowing three goals or less. How much have the Winnipeg Jets impressed you with their play, uh, most notably defensively this year? They really impressed me because we've seen in the past that it's just been the Connor Hellebuck show, and it masks anything that they do defensively. Or we've seen them been just okay defensively, and, you know, since Rick Bonus took over, it's so different from years past where this was a disastrous team in their own zone. Um, and last year they were okay, but I, I was a little underwhelmed. It kind of all just took hold this year, which surprised me because they didn't make any major changes. So you're seeing the system really take effect, and you're seeing all the players buying a little bit more this year. It's not just that Connor Hellbuck's driving, and he is, right? He's by far one of the best goalies in the league. He's one of the best goalies in the month of December, and he's bringing it this month as well. Um, their bottom, uh, they allow the sixth lowest rate of expected goals against in the league. So, to me, that is so different from years past them. And they're doing it without maybe the flashiest of blue lines. You know, you would expect a team that rates that well maybe to have a stacked defense or, you know, like the Hurricanes, you know they have the perfect system, right, th- that you expect this. So it's a little bit more impressive to me that they have that. Now, if they can keep the offense um, as strong as it's been now that they're getting healthier and balance out their scoring and maybe add, I would say, a defenseman who can add a little offensive pop for depth on like that third pair, they're going to be a team to really watch out for in the second half of the season and down the playoff stretch. Yeah, Winnipeg Jets' only team in the NHL uh, under 100 goals against uh, at this point of the season with 99. They have a goal differential of plus 44, uh, lead the league in 62 points uh, along with the uh, Vancouver uh, Canucks. Uh, also last night, Calgary comes back again, beats Arizona 3-2 in overtime. Shana, what's been the recipe for success for the Flames, uh, believing that they can come back and win all these games in the third period? That's that's worked for them, those comeback wins. And a lot of it's because I think the goaltending that they have. And it's impressive to me that it worked out the way it did last night because they were without Markstrom again, who is having an excellent season, just has such poor injury luck. But Dan Vladar was above average, gave them a chance to win. But we're seeing scoring depths from all over the lineup. It's you know unfortunate for them that they lost out on uh, Jonathan Huberto getting injured when he's been mm-hmm. one of their better, you know, he's stepped it up the last, you know, eight games or so. So to have him finally going, I think, is what they've really needed. But they're getting contributions elsewhere. And the standout player for me has to be Blake Coleman. You know, we think of him as a really good depth player, the ideal third liner. And on a a team without as much depth as, say, Tampa, where he won, he's a good middle six player. But he's been so strong there. So that stood out, you know, last night. And even you see someone like Nazem Kadri, who I don't think is having – you know, this season, this or last year that you would expect from him after his run in Colorado. But he puts up so many shots against. And last night he had 11 shot attempts, and eight of which were scoring chances. So for him to cash in, it's getting the contributions from the top nine. That's what Calgary needs for success, and it worked out for them last night. 
Shana Goldman is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Um, Shana with The Athletic. And one other game I wanted to talk about last night, uh, Dallas over the LA Kings, Shana. Right now, I mean, about a month ago, I had the Kings pegged as the number one team in the power rankings a little over a month ago. But boy, the Kings have fallen on hard times. What's been the problem in LA? I think the biggest problem in LA has been their their rush defense. You know, that was something they opened the season with. They were one of the best teams in the league. And that's what we think of them to be, right? We know how much they've invested in that blue line. And then they rounded out their scoring, so they didn't need perfect goaltending. And it really was clicking for them to open the year. And that's something that's really fallen off. And, you know, you could see even on that losing streak, that game against Tampa Bay, when they came back against them, it was two goals in transition that they score. And they very quickly turned the game on its head. Um, last night we're seeing it, you know, Dallas is one of the contenders to beat in this league. They're a really strong team and they had a huge edge. Uh, I'm sorry, they didn't have the edge last night in expected goals. They didn't have the edge in quality, you know, offensive generation, and it still didn't work out for them. Jake Ottinger was excellent, so this one was, you know, a little bit of bad luck. Um, Poor goaltending, which they haven't seen too much this year. The bigger problem has been their defense over that losing stretch. So, you know, it was the opposite of what's been hurting them. But it's something they really do need to turn around. They need to, you know, get back to basics defensively, support their goaltending, because as great as that was in the first half, a 36-year-old goaltender does bring some uncertainty in the second half. And obviously they need to pick up the pace offensively, and there's a couple key guys you can see that need to do a little bit more. Shannon Goldman from The Athletic, our guest on Sports 1440. Shana, also last night, Seattle loses in New York to the Rangers 5-2. The Kraken had rattled off nine wins in a row. Seattle is here tomorrow. So this is a long trip uh, back to the west, uh, to Western Canada for Seattle at the end of a road trip here. Uh, You know, after that nine-game heater that the Kraken were on, where do you see, is this a team that can stay and hang and punch with the bigger boys uh, for a wild card spot in the West? Or uh, did they have their, their run and were they the surprise last year and, uh, and then that expected drop off that everyone suspected this year? It's interesting because year one um, was such an underperformance and year two was such an overperformance that you know it's going to be somewhere in between with their shooting luck this year. Um And that's what we saw in the beginning of the year. It was just a little bit more extreme. Uh, I think this run, a lot of credit definitely belongs on the goaltending. Joey DeCord has been great when they've needed him to be in the defense. Is something we've seen, you know, take it up a notch and activate their offense a bit more in their winning stretch. I don't think, I don't know if we've seen like the real Kraken for a consistent Mm -hmm. stretch because that losing streak beforehand was such an underperformance and then you have such an overperformance and they're probably somewhere in between. Um, and last night's game wasn't a great example of it because they were missing so many key players. I think that they do have a formula for success if they can stay healthy. And losing Andre Barovkowski, again, is such a hit because you're finally seeing that depth scoring click that you expect them to have. And obviously not having been done didn't help them last year uh, last night either. It's going to be interesting, though. I feel like they're a team that could use some improvement, and we haven't seen them go big at the deadline yet, despite having the assets to do it. So I'm curious if if they can add another scoring threat this year. I think they'd be in a much better position. But it feels like the door is open for them to stand up in a wild card spot because so many other teams have underperformed, like the Flames, like the Wild. So the opportunity is there if they can keep maximizing 
their games like they were over that stretch, you know, they're going to be in pretty good shape. Hey, Shannon, what do you make of the Toronto Maple Leafs? So they lose their third straight uh, here last night, 4-4-2 in their last 10. Uh, we know all about the Leafs blowing leads. Uh, five of their last seven losses uh, when leading by two or more goals. That's what's happened with Toronto. Yesterday we had a bunch of guests, that, you know, we were talking about previewing the Oilers and Leafs and things like that in the morning. And I, I posed a question, are the Leafs a lock to make the playoffs? So I'll, I'll say the same thing to you. Do you think, are the Leafs a lock to make the playoffs the way they're, I guess, roster is constructed and how they're playing? I think they are. I think that it has to do with them, but it also has to do with the teams around them. I feel like in the Eastern Conference, it's going to be really interesting to see how that those two wild cards seed shake out because the Metropolitan Division is such a mess right now. It's so close. It's so tightly contested. But Tampa Bay has underwhelmed me a little bit more that I think that there's that door for Toronto to have a little more certainty behind Boston and Florida in the playoff picture. And Detroit, too. Like, they have holes. They seem more like a wild card team if they make it. But it's so close. You know, it really is up for grabs. I would be surprised if the Leafs end up on the outside it's just where do they end up on the inside right now? That's the biggest question. But there's definite roster flaws that they have to work out. You know, the Stars, I think, are playing up to the level that they need in Matthews and Nylander. And Marner, at least, is putting up points. There's a little bit more in his game that needs to balance out. You have a great power play. It's everything else, right? And it, it goes back to a lot of the offseason decisions, how they decided to spend the extra cap that they had who they invested in on defense and in goaltending. Um, those depth contracts add up, and now they don't have as much money as they should have to address the clear gaps in their roster, so it's going to be interesting how they navigate it. But it feels like there are serious issues on the back end that they're going to have to do something about, and they've had a patient approach so far, and it's been okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know how much that's going to get them in the second half, though. I mean, watching that blue line firsthand last night uh, at Rogers, they're not even close uh, in my estimation, and they have a lot of holes. And I, again, I don't see them as a lock, unfortunately. And there are there are a half dozen teams that could easily uh, pass the Leafs. You know, when it comes to a wild card, they're just hanging on to number three in the Atlantic. Uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if they drop out uh, before the All Star break uh, outside of a wild card spot. So, hey, uh, Shana, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Uh, and maybe we'll chat soon. Uh, thanks for coming on and uh, have a great uh, rest of the week. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, that's Shana Goldman from The Athletic and our headliner of the day brought to you by Mr. Rooter. There's a reason they call him Mr. For all your plumbing needs, go to mrrooter.ca. Got some open time, open text line. We'll get to a lot of texts that are coming in and have come in that we just haven't had time to get to. That's coming up right after the break on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. Oh, the Duke with a little Vince Gill. You know, uh, have have you ever seen the video Duke with, uh, I believe it's with George Jones? They're riding a tractor. What, which one is that? Uh, uh, you oh, know, I, well, you know what I'm talking I about. I do. Because yeah. uh, the, uh, they're... That obviously the the fabled story of George Jones uh, driving his possum. Hey, possum, you know. Yeah, dri- mm-hmm. driving down to the the bar, uh, <laughs> and so then in the music video, Vince Gill d- kind of yeah. repurposed that and riding the lawnmower uh, down <laughs> yeah, the street so, to yeah, the bar. Like so, um, one last Spe- chance. That's the one last chance. Favorite. Yeah. Speaking of that kind of uh, shenanigans, 
So you went to the game with the big Cebolla, and he, you told me yesterday he was taking care of your ticket. You had to take care of the drinks. So how much did the uh, Rogers Place uh, beer uh, prices take a, put a dent in the Duke's wallet last night? Well, as always, it doesn't take very many to put a pretty decent-sized dent. Yeah. But uh, no, so I was telling you yesterday, Kev, that Denton, the big Cebolla, has a, a, a tendency to, you know, um, he'll have a woman, and then it'll go good, and then <laughs> from the CNIB. And, and then test, uh, yeah. and then it'd be like, oh, this didn't work out, but pretty lickety split, snap up a new one. So I thought because he was asking me to go to the game oh. that he was without woman at this per- at this point in time. That was not the case. I basically was third wheeling this whole night at the Oilers game, which was fine. She was a very nice young lady and oh, yeah, a big yeah. Oilers fan, so that was great. Her and I were kind of giving it to the big Savoy all night. But so then I felt I also treated her to a couple drinks because obviously we're all up at the bar at the same time. So a couple a couple things for her, like the seltzers, a couple beers for myself, yeah, and, then, uh, and then Din was on the, uh, on the rum. Ooh. The rum at the Oilers game. So I think I, I, only, I only ran through one order of drinks, and it was about with tip – about a hundred bucks. Well, there you go. Well, you tell Denton, the big Cebolia, that I can get it. Uh, so this is his, this is his new girlfriend or whatever. I, I don't know if it's official. They're seeing each other. How's okay. that? I can get her in for an emergency eye exam to my buddy <laughs> Scott Lopatinsky, Doctor Scott Lopatinsky, emergency eye exam. I'll tell him. You tell him that. Yeah. I'll let because him know obviously there's some problems here. She's a she's an X-ray tech, so <laughs> those rays just yeah, I think burn, burn the retinas out on her eyeballs. Scrambled her brains a little bit or something. <laughs> uh, a text that the Dirty Dangler sent in oh, about an hour and a half ago. We never got to it, and it's a good one, so we got to read it. Uh, I'll do something I never do, says the Dirty Dangler. Shout out to the refs for letting both teams play and not calling the stupid little infractions that would have ruined the pace of the game. I agree with that. There were a lot of hooking calls that could have been called probably a dozen. Sticks in the hands yes. and things like that as, as guys. And the funny thing is the two penalties that were called, especially the hooking penalty on Connor McDavid after he kind of walked the, I can't mm-hmm. remember what defenseman it was. He sort of stumbled. He kind of stumbled and then it'd be like, I thought it was a pretty soft call, actually. Yeah. And to be honest with you, and then you saw Darnell Nurse kind of go uh, diving towards Tavares, saying that Tavares dived. Yeah. I was talking to Ryan Rashog about it in the press box, and he was like, he thought it was a penalty. I didn't think it was that, that hard of a shot. Mm-hmm. But I said, you know, ever since the uh, Kaprizov and, and Dylan thing. that Probably really, cracking down on some really... of the. We see that in waves almost, because mm-hmm. we always talk about, oh, they're cracking. Uh, coming out of the first, the, the full season lockout, they're cracking down on the, yeah. the, the infractions, the hooking and the holding and stuff. When and then you lose it. When you lose Kaprizov, that's what happens. We've seen right? it in waves about this yeah. cross-checking thing where they'll really nail it down, but then it kind of almost fades out again, and we let the, we let people get away with it. In the playoffs especially, like they never yeah, call those cross-checking back to Hudson penalties Bay rules. in the playoffs. Back to Hudson Bay rules. Uh, Chris Lee and Steve Kazari uh, were the referees last night, and yeah, I think everyone enjoyed the way the game was called. Um, text coming in, uh, we discussed about Queen and the fact that the Duke played another one bites the dust for Derek Van Deest. Joe Sarah says, I like uh, the song I want to break free. Radio Gaga from Andrew. That's a popular, very popular one. How about this one from Lee? Uh, he said, uh, whoa, where is it now? Lee says, I was 12 years old traveling to Edmonton from Fort Mac to vis- visit the Cousins in 1981. They had season tickets to the Oilers. Going home from the game, and the big hit was Another One Rides the Bus by Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> That's from Lee. You a big uh, weird, weird Al Yankovic, <sighs> Kevin? Uh, you know... A couple of them, yeah. You know what? They're catchy. I like the, you know, uh, the one uh, was in, instead of My Sharona. 
Uh, oh yeah, my yeah. bologna or whatever it was. My bologna. Yeah, I think that's what it I was. think. He, he's had that. some very good. They're very animated. They're not all uh, at the same caliber. I think he, but he, the the music videos were really good because very they, funny. you know when he did the Michael Jackson ones and it it takes a lot of creativity to even just come up with these you know kind of parody type songs. Lord mm. knows I could never even dream of it. I don't got a musical bone in my body. Um, so I, I admire the creativity. And, you know, some of them hit, some of them maybe not as much so, depending on your personal taste. But yeah. you got to admire the the creativeness. And like I said, they're all very funny regardless. Yes. Tipsy McStagger says, Bohemian Rhapsody or Someone to Love, two amazingly written songs. Jim, the Detroit Lions fan in Barhead, said the Lions used to uh, use that song, Another One Bites the Dust, back in 1980 when Billy Sims was running over everyone in the league. Then he wrecked his knee in the in the immortal, and in the immortal words of Paul Harvey. That is the rest of the story. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't even know if we can get into that one, but is that the t- this one from Jordan just sent one in? Uh, what a tune, Duke, from Jordo. Yes. Uh, Randy says, you think the... Uh, I don't I, <laughs> what, I don't get this one. So, like, there were some spots last night. Okay, when you... Randy's talking about he didn't think that Nurse and Vinny Day Harney played that well last night. When you have... Again, if you want to talk about five of the top, I don't know... 10 forwards in the league easily on the, on the same ice sheet last night when you want to talk about Marner, Matthews, and Nylander and McDavid and Dreisaitl and whatever you want to do. If it's 5 out of 8, 9, 10, whatever. I mean, there are going to be times in the game where the de- the defense won't be able to handle these guys. We see it all the time here. And when you see guys like Marner and Matthews and, and Nylander coming at you, it's hard. These guys are the best in the game. So I, what do you expect? Do you, are you expecting the Oilers' defense to throw a shutout last night or something like that? Man. Um, Jordan says we allowed two goals. The D was solid. Other teams have talent as well. Oh, there you go. Thanks. Just came in now. Um Am I missing any? Oh, I like this one too. I thought this was kind of neat on, uh, um, we don't have, oh, we, we need uh, on the TSN, comparing TSN and Sportsnet coverage last night. It comes in from Pinocchio. Give us your name and we'll uh, we'll uh, run that one out there. But Doug Jones says, if there was a frustrating part in that game, other than the first two minutes, it was the amount of giveaways by the Oilers at the Toronto Blue Line. There were giveaways last night, yes. Evander Kane had a big giveaway early in the second period that resulted in, in that Willie Nylander breakaway that Stu, Stu Skinner got a piece of, went off the crossbar. I mean, the other teams are playing as well. It's I don't know what Oilers fans are expecting. You're on an 11-game run here. You're going to be coughing up the pocket sometimes because – of the amount of talent, amount of pressure that the other team is playing. Just think about it. Again, we talked about it at the start of the show and how many times during the show. The amount of extended times in this game, runs if you want to call it that, runs of 30, 40, 50, 60 seconds, and even more so uh, shift to shift when the teams were connecting shifts on both sides where both teams had extended times in the other teams in the opposition's uh, defensive zone. Offensive zone uh, puck possession was high last night. 
The Oilers, I don't even, I didn't look at any stats at the end, but probably around 14 minutes, 15, maybe 14, 14 and a half. And then Toronto was probably around 11 or something like that. So, I mean, it was a good game last night. I don't know. You know what really proves about the pace of last night's game, Kevin, and combination of, yeah, the only the two penalties called, the pace, like, the game itself took, like, just over two hours to play. Yeah, it was quick. I was out of Rogers' place before 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, Team Dean, I don't know. I, I wouldn't have minded a goaltender interference call on Gregor jumping on Skinner. No one touched him. We'll see what Jason Gregor says about that today. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of <laughs> lot of lot of Gregors in the house last night. I saw quite a few signs um, for for Noah about uh, yeah. uh, Noah's mom being a school their teacher. Mm-hmm. I think I saw the one sign say or something. So, so I, I'll tell you this story. It was either last I think it was last year or the year before. So Noah was playing in in uh, San Jose, and I got to do a one on one with them in the Sharks dressing room. And Jason is standing right beside him, and I kind of lined this up so that Jason would be right there to hear my first question. So I just said to him, what was it like growing up in Beaumont and watching your dad absolutely dominate your uncle in everything? (laughs) (laughs) And I don't like, I don't think he kind of knew how to, he looked at me kind of funny. And then Jason gave a kind of a quick laugh and, and then, you know, he's, you know, he didn't want to say anything bad about his uncle standing right there, but it was a good little, little dig at <laughs> little dig. Yeah, Just subtle, a, right? Little, wow. Sometimes those are the best ones. Yes, those are the ones. Uh, well, we've got some uh, controversy. GM Parisian says, another one rides the bus didn't exist in 1981. Hmm. Well, semantics, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Does it, uh, does it matter? Uh, Darren in Pinoka was the, uh, thanks for this, Darren. So he says, TSN's postgame was awful. Jay Onright, Craig Button were almost crying that the Leafs blew another game and lost. It was all about what was wrong with the Leafs. Nothing about the Oilers. Nothing about a team that just won 11 in a row. Sportsnet was good, but TSN was so homer, Leafs biased. Well, that's very true, and it's something that we've talked about for many, many years. If you ever think about it, I mean, Ryan Rashog does an amazing job covering this Oilers team. Again, Ryan Rashog, Mark Spector are the two guys in, if you want to get away from the paper guys, those two guys are asking all the hard questions a lot of the times. They're there every day. They're doing most of the heavy lifting. But if you go and watch what what TSN does, so Ryan Rashog will ask 10 questions, and then and this is not his fault. He sends it out east, and then what What do you see what TSN runs? I don't know, like 35, 45 seconds of Oilers coverage on their on their shows. A lot of times Ryan will do hits and things like that, but that is very true. Uh, TSN is uh, a lot more Leafs biased than Sportsnet is in Toronto. Uh, when we come back, it's going to be an interesting 9 and 10 o'clock hour because David Schlemko, former NHLer for Cougar Payton Collision, will guess with us from 9 to 11. 
it's, uh, man, there's some interesting uh, games in the NFL again as we're down to the grade eight. Cordell Woodland from 105.7 The Fan. Covers the Baltimore Ravens. He'll uh, guess with us at 920. We'll have Are You In or Are You Out with Schlemmer at 940. Uh, 10 o'clock, we'll have some open time to discuss uh, what's going on in, uh, you know, basically the weekend shaping up and how the Oilers are looking for tomorrow and then Saturday in Calgary. And then 1020, our uh, St. Albert Dodge game of the day. Big Louie DeBrusque. I was talking to Louie yesterday. I said, Louie, can you come on at 720? He says, are you out of your mind, 720? <laughs> uh, and, of course, Louie and I, we go back a, a long ways and have had Spent a lot of great times together away from the rink. So we'll uh, touch on some exploits and uh, trips and things like that about, uh, you know, just fishing trips and things like that, spending some time with the big man that's coming up at 1020. Uh, Before all of that, it's time now for... A Sports 1440 update brought to you by Snow Valley Ski Club. All runs and all lifts are open after last week and what happened with the deadly cold. But they're all open, ready to rock and roll this weekend uh, for family fun. Seven days a week. Visit snowvalley.ca for details. Here is the Duke.